Well, good morning. Welcome back. It's been a, an exciting, well, January, as we talked about Jesus, our, our Savior, our Healer, our Sanctifier. And now today we're going to talk about probably something that everybody's worried about or wondering about, and that's the second coming of Jesus. Jesus, our coming King. The end of time is something that every culture is haunted by. Do you remember in 2012, the Mayan calendar said the world was going to end, and some people have, you know, kind of bought into that and started making preparation. I read just uh, the other day about the Heaven's Gate cult that all killed themselves because they thought they were going to be caught up behind the comet. Well, that's just like whatever. And then throughout you know, recent history, there are people that, that call themselves Adventists. That means the second coming of the parousa of Christ. That's the theological word of the second coming that they've just been fixated on that, and there's been an end-of-time narrative throughout most all culture. We think about how this is all going to end, and it's natural and normal, but let's hear what Jesus has to say, because Jesus is the coming king. Now, with all that said, I've noticed so many Christians have become consumed with biblical prophecy, and they become so consumed with biblical prophecy that they literally have segregated themselves from the world of relationships. They're so worried about the end of time, they're not living in the time and, and living out biblical mandate of spreading the gospel. So it's not wrong to be concerned or informed regarding the end of time. Jesus is our coming king. The truth should really permeate our thinking. I think the early church lived with an expectation of Jesus' coming probably greater than we ever had. In fact, I think sometimes Satan wants to rock us to sleep to not think about the end of time when we should be but also he can leverage the fact of us becoming obsessed with it that we don't love each other as we should and do the work that we're supposed to be supposed to do. Now, the best way is to not completely rely on theories of eschatology. That's the study of the end of time. But to hear what Jesus said about his return. So I'm wading into this deep creek, y'all. And uh, I'm, I'm not answering all your questions. But I want to help you meet Jesus as your coming king. Now, this passage that I'm going to share with you today is called the Olivet Discourse. It was prompted by the disciples asking questions to Jesus about the end of time. Jesus had just talked about the temple being destroyed, and the disciples asked the question and that we might well all ask. And this is what they were asking. He said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things, these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. They didn't understand that there would be two advents. The first advent was his birth in Bethlehem. The second advent was his coming uh, as king of the, all the earth. The first advent was salvation. The second advent was to restore the intent of God that was broken in the garden. They asked Jesus to answer, and he answered them. So let's listen to his answer and maybe learn some insights about Jesus, our coming king. Father, thank you for what you want to say today, and I pray you'll speak through me. You know my limited knowledge and my limited ability, but your knowledge and your ability is unlimited. And I pray, Father, that you enlighten my mind that I may tell the truth to these folks that we might live differently with expectation of your coming. Not so morbidly fixated upon it, we're no earthly good, but Father, aware that we'll live with one eye to the work of your gospel and one eye to the eastern sky. So thank you for what you're going to say and do for us today. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, Jesus starts the discourse, and he kind of lists some things. The first thing he says, be 
aware. Now, I just prayed that we might live with one eye fixated on the spreading of the gospel and our other eye on the eastern sky. That's where Jesus will come again. Now, I didn't say that just as an idiomatic phrase. It's literally the instruction of Jesus. We need to be aware. Now, we live in Texas. There are rattlesnakes in Texas. I don't live in fear of the rattlesnake, but I live aware of the rattlesnake. And so that's what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus answered him and said, this is Matthew 24, 4 through 8. See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. In fact, right after the death of Jesus on the cross, a few other false messiahs rose up. In fact, one false messiah led them to the occupation of Masada. And you can read about Masada's history or go with me to Israel and actually go to Masada and hear the history. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now, Jesus calls them birth pains because Jesus is the master of using common experiences to really convey the complexities of theology. Look at this progression. He said, first of all, be aware. There will be false claims about the Messiah. And we have seen these over and over and over and over and over. Many of the cults that rose up in the late 1900s were all based on the advent of the second coming of Christ. It was all about a, a leader, a deranged leader, who had an idea that led people astray, led people into believing we need to cluster together, hunker down, sell all your stuff, and hold on. Some of y'all are old enough to remember Y2K, when everything was going to come to a crash, a halt. I knew that that wasn't going to happen. All the prophecies, I got all kinds of pressure that, Pastor, you need to prepare a Y2K preparedness strategy. We need to be saving food. We need to be saving ammunition and guns, and people are going to come for us. I'm going, yeah, that's just like Jesus. People come for food, you shoot them. Yeah. So it's all this deranged thinking. And, of course, nothing happened. But the ones who were being predatory was selling the dried food, got rich. Oh, so be aware. There are going to be false things that are going to come up. They're going to come and they're going to say you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to have your supply of food or whatever else. Be aware or on this day, the earth is going to end. How many times in my lifetime have I lived with somebody prognosticating that the world is going to end on such and such a date? And all society takes... And holds their breath. Don't they know God's not going to do that? So just be aware. There are wars and rumors of wars. There's strife of the nations. Y'all, because of sin, there's always going to be strife of the nations. There's going to be war and rumors of war. Uh, Rome lived out a thing called Pax Roma. For 200 years, they said there was no warfare. Really? If you look at Pax Roma, it was fraught with insurrection and conflict that the Romans put their steel boot on people's necks in a bellicose dictatorship. That's why there was Pax Roma, because the Romans were killing people who were insurrectionists. Oh, so there's always going to be strife, and there's always going to be natural disasters. This world has fallen. We hear people talk about climate change. Okay, I'm going to say something, and some of you are going to lose your minds. Climate change is real. It is. It's called winter, spring, summer, and fall. It's real. There's seasons. Temperatures fluctuate. It has throughout the history of man. There was a thing called the Ice Age, 
Remember that history has proven that. So you've got these things about climate change. Does man cause climate to change? Absolutely. But here's the underlying truth of the ecological movement is save the trees and kill the babies. That's the problem. We want to save the wells and save the seals and save the oceans, but we want to get rid of mankind because it's rooted in a satanic belief that man is the object of God's love, therefore man must be destroyed. Just a thought. Now you said, Pastor, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm just kind of pointing out what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing. So we have to look at relational strife. Listen to this and what Jesus said here. It goes on. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Man, did these disciples experience that or what? All of them died as martyrs except for John. He was boiled in oil and thrown on the island of Patmos. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Boy, isn't that the truth? Did you know there's more Christians persecuted today than ever in history because of their Christianity? Wow. Recently, I've read of a bellicose dictator killing people for having Bibles. Shooting people for having Bibles. And, and that's in, the, in the, the Middle East. And they will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. Hmm. Wow. I read that and I'm thinking, could that be the prosperity gospel? The tickling of your ears that... You could be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Couldn't be aware of what you're listening to. Even when you listen to me, discern it and fact check it. I mean, come on. We're mere men. We can get it wrong. And when I hear people talk about, well, you have to honor your pastor. Well, yeah, you should love your pastor, but he's not a king. And he's not to be worshipped. What's up with that? And it's all about the falseness of prophets. And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. Wow. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, who's the one who endures to the end? The ones who were held by Jesus. That's the ones. They will endure to the end. They'll be saved. So you look for persecution, perversion, and then cold love. Cold love. I think there's probably a rock and roll song about cold love, but I won't sing it now. Listen to this. This is Romans 1. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, gossips, and slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decrees that those who participate in things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who, who practiced them. This is Paul talking to the Roman world. Ain't nothing changed. And literally, it's called the spirit of Babylon. So we need to be aware. Now here's the second thing Jesus says. Be ready. Be ready. Be aware. Be ready. For when there, for there will be great tribulation. This is verse 21 and 24. There will be great tribulation, such as not been through the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And those days will not be cut short. No human being will be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. When anyone says, look, here is a Christ, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if you say to you, look, here he is in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, 
Here he's in the inner room. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of, the, Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Okay, what is Jesus saying here? Well, he's talking about it's the great tribulation. Now, what I think the Bible clearly teaches, and we could discuss this if you like, it's a disputable matter. We're not going to become divided about this. But the church of Jesus Christ is going to be taken away, raptured to heaven, as it were, taken out of this world before this great tribulation happens. And so that's what's going to happen. And we have to be ready for that. Things will get worse. Thanks, Pastor. That's right. They will get worse. Don't be surprised. They will get worse. Jesus is describing this great period of tribulation. Now, there are different views of when the end will come and how it will come. There's the premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, uh, historical, theological, all of those things. And we're not going to take time to talk about that uh, today. I've taught about those things in the past. And this is what Jesus says, that believers will be taken to heaven before all of this happens. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather the elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to the other. That's Matthew 24, 31. So Jesus talks about the removal of the church from before the tribulation, the great tribulation and the travails of man. Now, I want you to look at today and the events of today. These things have happened before. Do you think when Rome destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD that the Christians there thought, this is the end of time? Absolutely. Do you think when wars broke out in Europe, they said, this is the end of time? Yeah. Do you think when the Ottoman Turk Empire invaded Europe to, de to destroy it and to make it Islamic in nation, this is the end of time? Yeah. Do you think during World War I, people thought, this is the end of time. Yeah? During the Civil War? Uh, yeah? During World War II? Absolutely. Now, we can be afraid or we can be hopeful. We can be aware and we can be ready. Well, how can we be ready? Well, be steady. Be steady. Steady yourself. Don't give in to panic or confusion or conspiracy or hunker down and hold on. Be steady. Blessed is the servant whose master, uh, whom his master finds doing what so doing when he comes. So be Christ-centered. We talked about that last week. Live in such a way that Jesus is the center. We are Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, missional movement, all for King Jesus. That's who we are. So be Christ-like in our spirit. In the way we live, let's be Christ-like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there's no law. And those who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So in being steady, I want to be Christ-centered, and I want to be Christ-living, all for Jesus. As we look at the fruit of the Spirit, I think, okay, here's some characters. Well, actually, here's some attitudes, love, joy, and peace. Characters, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And then... Actions, gentleness, self-control, and uh, faithfulness and self-control. All these things, these, these triplets here, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, are built upon, built upon, built upon. Huh. As I look at this, that I could be Christ-centered, I'd be Christ-living, but then I need to be Christ-sharing. Now listen to this. And all the gospels of the kingdom will be claimed throughout the world, whole world as a testament to all the nations, and then the end will come. What Jesus is saying here is everyone on planet Earth 
is going to hear the gospel in their language. There's going to be a church, a body of believers, a Christian witness, and all the people groups of the world. Now, some think this is passages talk about when the Great Tribulation happens, and it's after the fact, and the 144 Jewish evangelists come out and preach, and then the whole world hears, and people respond to the gospel. But some think this is the mystical work of God done through an angel. Um, let me read that. And they saw another angel flying directly overhead, the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory, give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come. <clears throat> and worship him who made the heavens and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Now we know that that's going to happen, that the angel is going to come proclaim. But I think it's a stretch to believe that God is so not so loving and good that he wouldn't give all people groups an opportunity to hear the gospel for the tribulation. It's not in keeping with his character. I think those scholars who pontificate that the second coming is not based on the sharing of the gospel, uh, I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong. That's why gospel commentaries are not infallible and errant. That's why we study. I think God has commissioned us to share the gospel. The Great Commission says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. God loves people, and he's not willing for any to miss the gospel, even though he knows the one who will reject the gospel in the extension of his love, he's not willing that any should perish but all come to, to repentance. I believe God is delaying his second coming until everyone hears. I believe it's our job to finish the task. There's a, a group called the Joshua Project, and they're tracking the remaining people groups of the world that have yet to hear the gospel. And from what I could read on their statistical information, we're now at the 1% remain to hear the gospel. 1%. 99% of the world has heard the gospel. There's 1% that are remaining. And it's approximately 3,000 people groups. Part of what we're trying to do with our expansion of the Building Churches Network, Building Lives Churches Network, is to equip the local church to present the gospel. Many of these churches we're equipping are in places like Cuba, that have never people have never heard the gospel. Oh, people like places like Colombia, the jungles of Colombia, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Mexico, and Venezuela, uh, in Argentina, places where people have never heard the gospel. In the Middle East, places where people never have never heard the gospel. In the stands, people Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, those the stands, Afghanistan, where people have never heard the gospel. This is what we're to be about, the spreading of the gospel, the building up of the local church to the local leaders that they may effectively share the gospel so Jesus will come back. Let's get it done. Your giving goes to get it done. Finish the task. Finish the task. He'll delay until the word world will hear. Well, who are you going to tell? How are you going to be a part of it? Your giving makes it possible. Your going makes it possible. Your engagement makes it possible. Be aware, be ready, and be steady. Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, missional movement, all for the glory of King Jesus. That's who we are. Um, did I help you with the second coming? No, probably not. No, I'm not going to call the date because I don't know. 
Jesus said even he doesn't know. Only the Father in heaven knows. I think that when one of these prognosticators come up with a date, all of heaven goes, hold on, not that day. Stop it, Gabriel, quit blowing your trumpet. We're not going today. It kind of sounds silly, but it's true. But I know this, I must be faithful. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to live with the eye in the east and my eye to the task. All for Jesus. I'm going to lead in such a way that Jesus is famous throughout the whole world. Let's together be that. And as we become that, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He is our coming king. Are you ready? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you responded to the gospel? Are you ready? Are you steady? Are you living Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, focused for your own personal mission and our corporate mission? What needs to change in you? Make the decision today that becomes your destiny for tomorrow because we have a coming king. Meeting his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've said to us this morning and this, this time, that you are indeed the coming king, the king of glory. And I pray that we will live in such a way that we're ready for your arrival and that you'll find us being faithful about sharing the task. Father, help us to finish the task. Your word says that when the task is finished, it, everything will happen in that generation and you'll come back in that generation. So, Father, maybe we're living in the last generation. If that's so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We look forward to the day. Father, there's some listening to me today that have never trusted you. I pray that they'll whisper this prayer. Jesus, I'm yours. And they'll be ready for your coming. In fact, before you travail the earth with the great tribulation, you'll bring us all safely to you so we will not have to endure that. Thank you for that. Thank you for your mercy in that regard. Father, let heaven be crowded before that tribulation comes because we've been faithful in sharing the task and finishing the task. Thank you for what you said to us today. May we live differently because of who you are. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today. I remember when I was a kid, there was a movie came out by Billy Graham called A Thief in the Night. And they sang this song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. It was kind of a haunting song, a minor key and haunting. And, and it really shared the truth of, man, the 60s, people believed Jesus was coming. And we've kind of grown cold and indifferent. Maybe the pandemic, maybe the political rest has got us more aware now of our need for Jesus. So why don't you live with that in mind? Uh, again, thank you for your generosity and giving. Continue to give because we're on a mission for God, and your giving makes the mission possible. Thank you for that. And also remember this. Use the advantages of our resources. Your God time, your group time, the gathering time, they're all available for you at fbcwimberly.com. You can download that content. Also, sign up for our Friday uh, Friday Fords. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I'm sharing with you 52 weeks of Jesus, what Jesus said, and those Friday lifters will help you get through the weekend and look forward to another day with us as we celebrate King Jesus together in our online gatherings. Again, I love you. I'm honored to be your pastor, and I'll see you again next week as we continue to meet Jesus. God bless you.